Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. So, welcome to the Franklin Silicon 2016 special. Um, this is the first time this particular segment is a standalone episode. Usually it's a topic of discussion, but uh, we just couldn't fit it into the regular show. Important and, things happened near the end of last season, so... Yeah, and um, we didn't do it during the holiday break because we were on break. When we go on break, we go on break. Yeah. None of the, you know, so, and the past two weeks have been busy with um, getting things set up for the new se- season, the new apparatus, like the Switch stuff broke this a uh, couple of days ago. Mm-hmm. It's already mid-January, so uh, it's time to get going. It was like, now or never, because we had an opening right here. Only one game to review this week, so here we are. Right, so 2016 was terrible and awful for a variety of reasons, but we're not here to talk about that. Yeah, that's going to be for MSP. <laughs> if we, uh, yeah, well, if we talk about that, I, yeah, yeah, with MSP, I'm... Nothing is certain. Yeah, like, like, like MSP. We'll, we'll talk about that at the end of this episode. Anyway, um, so let's see. Um, when it comes to fragments of silicon, uh, 2016 was a pretty, um, it was there, like, mm-hmm. sense. We had, like, we had some good we had interviews. Had a lot of, uh, uh, yeah. Uh, Great interviews. Um, like, though, really, if there's anything that defined 2016 for the show, it was games. Mm-hmm. 2000, like 2016, this is the year that um, regular game reviews um, became a, you know, our modern day review schedule became a thing, which is one to two extended uh, roundtable reviews per week. Um, mostly ob- out of obligation, but not always to um, a various publisher or developer. Uh, not always on a, uh, a entity that has appeared on our show. Mm-hmm. Um, like um, last week's game, Beholder, was from a developer and a publisher that have never been on our program. You know, to cite one example. But oftentimes they are. And Looks like we reviewed 67 games. 
Yeah. And I think we played 68 because we did not review Oxenfree. Like, um, Oxenfree was a game that was, uh, was the last game gifted to us for interview purposes. Yeah. It's like, but, you know, before we did regular reviews, we would often get games for the purposes of interview research. But now that's kind we of... decided to review the ones that we get for that purpose. Yeah. Well, it's because we got... We started getting games um, for the express purposes of reviewing, and we didn't have a review um, policy in place. But that changed in... Uh, that really formally changed in 2014. Right. But... Or uh, was it... Two, yeah, it was... Uh, 2014 was Shovel Knight. Then formalized with more games uh, along the way. And now, we, yeah. Now we, we've apparently tackled 67 games for the show. And some were good, some were bad. Um, the best and worst, you know, our best and worst of 2016 isn't going to look like anyone else's because. We only like, do games we do for the show on here. Yeah, my personal best and worst games of the year, well, my personal best games of the year would include several ones that we did not play for the show, including, like, Pokemon, Sun, and Moon, but... I usually would, because, like I said, I, when it comes to playing new games, I... If it's not for the show, I usually don't bother. Anyway, so, let's get into it. Um, best, worst. Yeah, because usually we have a consensus, but this year we were all kind of split. Yeah. So, for the best games of the year, um, we'll do top three. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe top... Well, actually, let's do top five. Oh, five. I need to pull the list, then. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Right. So, my game of the year f- uh, for 2016 is Rabby Ribby. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, it's like... Rabby Ribby, uh, if you, well, if you haven't seen Naka's uh, Let's Play on the uh, on the game, um, you're lucky. I wouldn't recommend it. Yeah, it, it, it <laughs> the problem like, with Naka is he he wants to try and play it like he plays Super Metroid. Yeah, it's it's a good game, but he was playing it in a way that is probably a perfectly fine way to play the game after you've played through it two or three times and know the way around. Yeah, it's like Naka yeah. was—he was sequence breaking on his first run, like, and he was, and he, and he was wondering why he was getting his ass kicked. Like, when you go into the more difficult areas, it's gonna get harder. And it's like, and I knew the problem was he—he he didn't really get the game until that one boss. Now, because, um. Rabby Ribby, in the, even in the world of uh, Metroidvanias, is very unique because it, it, it's got the, it's got all the, like, it's got all the typical genre trapping, but it's also a, bur- it's also a bullet hell uh, kind of platform. Um, the boss encounters uh, play out more like, say, um, Toho than Super Metroid. Mega Mari has like exactly the same kind of boss fights. Right. This this is a very Dogen way of building a game, by the way. Yeah. Like, and it's a cool it's a cool thing because it just requires a shift in thinking when you eat into a boss fight because the boss fights work very differently than everything else. 
Right, but what I'm saying is, let not to serve as the example. You know, when you go into this game, don't go in thinking like Castlevania or Metroid. You, you got to think Ikaruga. Yeah, you can think Castlevania and Metroid for exploring the areas, but when you're yeah. dealing with actual fighting. Yeah, and yeah, you can sequence break, but. But when you have your entire comment section pleading with you just to go about the game normally. Yeah. yeah, it's like, yeah, it's yeah. Like, that's another thing. This is a game that is designed to not so much have a lot of sequence breaking, so much as to have the sequence in Rabbi Ribby that it gives you is the most bare of suggestions. Right. Actually, I would compare it possibly to like Metroid Zero Mission, where it says, "Hey, if you go to this area, you'll be able to do something that lets you advance." But if you don't go to that area, you can go somewhere completely different and find other ways to advance. Unlike with Metroid Fusion, where if you don't go the proper sequence, A won't let you, or B you'll softlock the game. I wasn't aware of anything that softlocked it, but there may be. In Fusion, anyway. yeah, if you try to go past one of the barriers, best case you'll get a message oh, saying okay. just to go back. Worst case, you'll just lock it up the game. Yeah. So, yeah, so that's why Naka's Let's Play, or Let's Try as he called it, just was an absolute flaming wreckage of a, of a playthrough. Like, yeah, he that, got frustrated, and that makes it a lot less fun yeah. to watch. Yeah, he got frustrated because he didn't understand the game, and he didn't want to learn until it, until until it, it broke him. Yeah. So, yeah. those of you who play this, don't do that. Like, I think like, Knock has went on record saying that if he ever decides to do, redo Let's Plays, that'd be one of the ones he would redo, for obvious reasons. Um, yeah. I mean, I honestly don't know what he was expecting. You know, I think he was uh, expecting Super Metroid, but... I guess. But yes. Um, yeah, it's, it's a really good game, but it's much so much better if you like learn the game before you try to break it. Yes. Also worth noting, Rabbi Ribby is a bit of a lewd game. Yeah, it's, it's nothing that's like rated M or anything like that, but it has a lot of suggestive things. It, ha it has a lot of haha bunny girls. Yeah, kind of ill. I mean, I remember not had to censor one picture because you know... It, yeah, there, there's one picture that's very, uh, hey, look at this, look at this, uh, ass clothed in clothed in, only in a uh, bathing suit. Right. Um, but yeah, uh, it was the game I enjoyed the most, uh, and there were a couple contenders here. I don't think I ever got to properly finish it, but like I said, you know, the production schedule forces me to move onward. Right, mm -hmm. so uh, other people, uh, let's see, Petty Fan. My Go. game of the year would probably be the God Eater game, just because it serves a very, very underserved genre on PC. Be like Monster Hunter. Because Monster Hunter is consoles only. <laughs> yeah. But it's like, I really enjoy the Monster Hunter games, and I like this one too. Like, there's some stuff they could obviously fix, like, you know, the locked-in animation type deal. And make you more mobile. But really... This, these two, and there's like one other game on Steam are the only two Monster Hunter style games on the PC at all. So yeah, just 
these games, while they are good, they also, you know, are a genre I want to see more of. Like, I would say the one I like more out between the two of them, you know, they're pretty good in their own right, but I guess God Eater 2 does because it has the, um, what do they, what do they call it, like, blood power system? Mm-hmm. Where, you know, it gave you those special effects and stuff. Do the combat's a little different there. But for the most part, they're still the same game. Anyway, right, uh, next. Yalitz. Um, as a shock, I'm probably going to say that my game... I'm going to say that my game of the year... And I, I'm not good at putting things in order, so honestly, I could probably wiggle a bit on this. But we got to review the Azure Striker Gunvolt series when, as Gunvolt 2 was being released. And I really liked the first one, and I thought 2 was actually a significant improvement on the first one. And that in a year that desperately was like got a really botched attempt at a follow-up to a Mega Man game, uh, <laughs> I figured that the Gunvolt series actually does a great job of filling that slot. It's got enough differences that it doesn't feel like it's just trying to be Mega Man Zero, but it definitely has a very similar feel. And even though I'm not that great at it, um, right, uh, I, I enjoyed that a lot. And I'm glad that it was on the 3DS and played well on the 3DS. And as of like last month or something, the final version is out that has every of the first game is out that has everything uh, and everything's fixed. For a while, there was a glitch with the uh, voice patch. And uh, it's actually getting DLC soon. Nifty. Which, for Gunvolt 2, which has the bosses of the first game available to fight. Right, so... Twilight. Uh, let's see now. I wasn't here when it was reviewed, but I did play it. And it's the same as Adam's. It was Ravi Rivi. I guess because I've been a while since I've played a um, Metroidvania, I guess, and really enjoyed the gameplay and such. And it's already been elaborated on, so I can't say much more beyond that. <laughs> so I guess Adam, you're number two. All right, number two, Shard Light. Um. Yeah, that was Played one of the ones I didn't get, so... Yeah, Shardlight is going to be my number two also, actually, so... Alright, so we can talk about this together. Like, yeah, it's worth noting that not all of us got to play every... Like, I'm from... Outside of Gunvolt 2, I, I'm the only one who played, like, every game, because I'm the one who facilitates the codes, therefore mm -hmm. I get the first code, always. Plus you have the most time to play them, usually. Oh, a petty fan as well. Mm -hmm. has a lot of time, so. But yes, um, uh, Shard Light. Um, we played a lot of adventure games this year, um, and this one was my favorite. Not because what you know, like I said, we did a lot of exploring of the adventure game genre and how it's changing. Like, uh, see our Inkle review for more information. Uh, just one example, like, but. Shardlight uh, was my favorite adventure game from last year, even over stuff like Oxenfree. And 
seven. I haven't played Firewatch yet. Yeah, and I'm not. And Oxenfree was good. Yes. Uh, but Shardlight, I think, really, in a slightly more traditional adventure game way than Oxenfree, and it really the um, the oh. re- well, yeah. You go. I'm I'm kind of composing my thoughts, so I'll. Well, um, Shardlight is an adventure game from our friends over at Wajidai. We've had, uh, you know, we've had them on the show a couple times. Um, I'm trying to think. Uh, I think this was developed by. Um, I, I'm tr- I, it was developed by Francisco Gonzalez and Ben Chandler. I'm not sure if they work for Wajidai or if they were outside, but it's generally this was a. Um, game in the style of Lodge Die. They use that um, adventure script that I can't remember off the top of my head. But the thing that really um, put Shard Light over the top for me was the story and the writing. Now, yeah, it's a really well-told um, post-apocalyptic story that uh, it, it really touches you emotionally without going too far into despair or avoiding that or like pretending things everything is fine generally right right and it, it's it's a very smart game with a lot of literary illusions a lot of uh, uh, historical ones as well you know and it's a, a very you know it's a very morally gray like the leader of the resistance is about as bad as Tiberius. Mm-hmm. And I think so it's quite uh, one example. And I think the art style really worked well for it too. It's got the retro-ish mm-hmm. uh, pixel art design that's um, still high enough definition that it has detailed character designs and you can interact in the space well. I think about the only thing that um, held it back was the ending, or the endings, because it kind of did the um, lazy um, dialogue ending. Um, yeah, it could have gone into more detail. The ending wasn't really the entire end of the story. Right. But it, it was a still a very strong adventure game. You know, it's... You know... Um, it's very, you know, it, it is in the traditional mold, but it, I think it has a lot of modern sensibilities. It's mm-hmm. Not only, it's not the only adventure game on my list either, but um, um, worth picking up. Um, like I said, I guess by, just by consensus, uh, Rabbi Ribby and Shardlight are the fragments of silicon. Um, game of the year and first runner-up, respectively, just because we have two people who agree that this was their X here. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I think we were the only ones who had Shardlight, too, so... Yes, yes. That's, uh, like I said, it's it's an unfortunate reality that, you know, not every publisher, not every developer will give us four codes. Yeah, because we're uh, a bit unorthodox on the way we do it. It's also we're you know by um, podcast standards we're kind of, we're kind of big cast wise you mm-hmm. know we are four to five people um, 
usually it's like two people. Mm-hmm. But I'm like, where four people? I will be five again soon. Oh um, man, the fifth wheel. <laughs> well, it's like I'm not gonna really see Coach for Ogre because he never play, he never plays the game. Yeah. Like maybe you know, if like, Bandai Namco comes on with another One Piece code. Yeah, it's like, but I'm like honestly, giving Ogre was kind of a waste of a code because he never, you know, you know, really the uh, really the old cast were, were kind of waste of space in that regard most of the time because they never play the games. I understand they had shit going on, but you know, when it came to handling stuff, I, you know, I had to handle it. Anyway, getting back on track, um, Petty Fan, your second. Uh, I guess this is a really close run between my second and third, but my second's probably going to be the Turing test. Because it's like, its writing was really good, I really liked the gameplay, you know, stuff like that. Like, the puzzles weren't, like, you know, brain-crushingly difficult, except for, like, the one bonus area near the end where if you didn't know anything about logic gates this was going to make you run your head into a wall but yeah it's like something something about x and xor yeah but yeah it's like they weren't too hard but they weren't too easy either so it's like basically what a puzzle a 3d puzzle game should be like, it reminded me a lot of Portal, but for different reasons. Right. Uh, I, was, oh, wait, what? I wasn't that high on the Turing test, if only because I thought there was a lack of variety and honest, and a lack of replayability. You know, like, like once you figure, like, it only got really interesting and dynamic in the um, bonus sections. Yeah. Uh, like, I felt it was a good first effort with some refinements. Yeah, like, um, honestly, if there was some, like, DLC or something, like, to add more to it, it'd probably be, be my number one. But just the lack of repeatability is one thing that's kind of holding it back for me a little bit. Alright, Twilight, you're up. Um, this one was very close as well, um, between my top and this one here, and it's, uh, my second one B is uh, the Azure Striker Gun Vault games. Reason being, pretty much because I'm a long-time Mega Man fan, and um, only reason this isn't above Ravi Ravi is because Ravi Ravi had a lot more content with it. And uh, upon further reflection, we'll keep it to top three because the move things long. Yeah. Yeah. The take, we taking a while. We also need to get our worst out of the way, which that's going to be fun. Yeah. <laughs> Alright, so, third, um, Rive. Um, Rive is the last game by Two Tribes. Um, they are a very, they were a very story developer, um, uh, developer of games like Edge, which Naka did a playthrough, um, a long time ago. Um, Toki Tori, um, a few other games. Um, they ran into some big problems with their uh, game Toki Tori 2. Uh, had to declare bankruptcy. Uh, they decided to make another game. 
and um, when we had them on the show, they were our inaugural um, European interview, and the, you know at that point, and believe it or not, we were actually the first um, outlet to interview them since that bankruptcy, and you know they were at a crossroads then, but they they eventually answered that question by um, leaving the game industry mostly. That is to say, Rive is their swan song in terms of new content. Um, and, you know, they'll still port uh, the old games. They'll still port, like, like Rive could uh, show up on the Switch, for example. You know, Edge and Swords and Soldiers and Rush and Toki Tori, you know, the, they still got a, enough manpower to port those games to new systems, but as but as far as new games uh, are concerned, Rive is it, and you know it's definitely kind of sad. Um. Anyway, as far as what Rive is, um. It, or its full name is Rive, Wreck, Hack, Dive, Try. Mm -hmm. um, Which is a full a, name that was added fairly late in development. Like, well, Rive is a hybrid platformer slash shooting game. Like, it, and it's really, really, you know, it's really, it's really intense as you'd expect. But it's not, but it's not that difficult, if I'm being honest. Well, unless you screw up and actually skip over the power-up station thing, because then you're screwed. Or you're just really bad at twin stick. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, yeah, it, it's you know, it, it's not a long game either. I think I put completed about eight hours, like. And you know, I you know I really liked um, everything about it, uh, the the music, the the, you know, the aesthetic, the gameplay, you know, all working on uh, uh, you know very good cylinders. And unfortunately, I think Rai was kind of overlooked. Mm. You know, I mean. This is an increasing story in the industry, unfortunately. Yeah. So I, I, I could not begrudge um, Two Tribes' decision to leave. Um, and, and also, if you want to hear our uh, full thoughts on the mat on any of these games, well, go seek out our reviews. Yeah, they're like, all on TalkShoe or iTunes. Yeah, it's like, yeah. You, those reviews were done in the um, audio podcast era. Yeah. And they're all clearly marked. Mm -hmm. So, anyway. Um, but yeah, Rive was a ton of fun, and, you know, that and the sentimentality behind the creation made, made it my third of the year. All right, um, Petty Fan, yours. Tumblestone. Because it's like one of those nifty little pop cap style um, puzzle games 
that sadly PopCap isn't really doing much of anymore since they got bought out by um, EA. Now, PopCap's, they moved over to mobile stuff and um, HD stuff. Yeah. But What's like, that? Someone gets bought by EA and their creativity at their output drops? Yeah. <laughs> Say it's not so, right? But yeah, like, I used to love playing the old PopCap games, but since they're not being made anymore, somebody had to pick up the torch, right? But yeah, the mechanic of Tumblestone isn't that bad. Like, it's not quite near the level of Tetris, which is one of my favorite puzzle games of all time, but it's still pretty good. It's The, the thing is, it's not really Tetris, uh, and this is a caution for those who might buy the game. Uh, Tumblestone is a lot more is an actual puzzle game like you've got to actually match the three yeah um, there is it, it's different than tetris in that there is a right way to do it yeah there is yeah it's like there's not really like there, there are match three modes but even those are kind of limited compared to um tetris or Bio Bio or bejeweled or anything like that like you've actually got to puzzle things out and plan them I don't think Tumblestone is quite what the uh, when we had the interview what they brought it up to be to be like a revolution in puzzle gaming or anything, but it's certainly a solid and certainly very meaty experience. Mm -hmm. Yeah, right, anyway, uh, I think yeah. I'm good. Alex. Well, I could say Rabby Ribby, and I have a couple of other ones that are very close, um, like uh, the Warlock of Firetop Mountain or. Uh, Super Dungeon Tactics, but I'm going to go with Moon Hunters because that is the game that after we reviewed it, I kept playing the most. Um, again, I'm kind of a sucker for the uh, high detail pixel art style that that game has, although in this case, the uh, sprites are significantly smaller than they were in, say, Shardlight. Um, and the progression of going through the game and maybe you fail but you accomplish things to unlock things for the next time uh, I really enjoy that kind of gameplay and I thought that that was pretty well implemented even though we did have some problems with the online mm -hmm. alright um, Twilight um, I'd say uh, House of Fate and Morgana was my third favorite. That was another good one. That was the, as a uh, uh, probably the best visual, visual novel, novel I played this year. Mm. Yeah, I like I really like the mystery and intrigue of the game, the house itself, and the characters' um, past that you explore. And we did do a lot of visual novels. Yeah, and we have a yeah, lot yeah. more slated. Yeah, I, I kind of have a I, I have a I feel a little bit bad because I don't really rate visual novels as well as a lot of other games in spite of the fact that we played quite a few pretty good ones. Yeah, well, I'm also not a big fan of visual novels, but that's just a me thing. They're not my favorite genre. Hmm. Well, I'm done with that. So I guess now we go into the worst. Yes. The All shit right. show of okay. 2016. <laughs> hmm, this will be harder for me. Oh, I think we know our number one here. <laughs> Adam, can Worst I take game. it away? <laughs> Worst game goes to Cornerstone. Yep. 
cornerstone, the ta the song of Tyrim. Yeah. Like, yeah, that just seemed incomplete. Extremely. Like, okay, so cornerstone is what happens when um, you have a two-man development team handle a big-ass uh, Unity 3D project. And they're not experienced um, with Unity. Yeah, I'm like, we had them on our show, and they're nice guys, but, uh... uh you need yeah, a third I appreciate, party to come look I, at your game. Yeah. I appreciate the aesthetic that that game was going yeah. for, but it was yeah. a really not oh good execution the of... The word yes. broken might actually be an understatement here. That was pretty much the epitome of what a uh, bad... Unity project, like, like. Well, it wasn't an asset flip. Yeah. No. It was better than that. But it's like it was bad. It was poorly, yeah, it was poorly optimized. Like, um, physics were wonky. Oh, Triggers right. wouldn't activate. Stuff like that. Yeah, it yeah. felt like it needed like another couple people to. That knew how to program better, or at least too. someone to like proofread it, who was versed in Unity. Yeah, yeah, it's just something to make the idea into a better realization of the idea instead of a really kind of shoddily crafted game. Yeah, it was, it was bad. <laughs> I, I think I played about two hours before. I think I put um, about five in, and I regret all five of that. Alright. Uh, anyone have a worse game than this that they wish to mention? Uh, I don't have I anything never, worse. Well, I never did play it, so I can't yeah, say. So move on to... So, uh, number two on the list. For me, it's Mega Magic. Yeah, that I, one... It had so much potential, and it just yeah. That's also the an incomplete hard. To me, it was really hand, incomplete. It was more just the way the story was going in the combat. Well, it was also literally it was also literally not what they wanted it to be. It was a failed Kickstarter that the game came out anyway, which is something at least. Well, and for me, it was because this game caused me physical pain. Um, you could not rebind keys here. And playing it with my, uh, play, uh, trying to play it, um, my usual way just didn't work. Like my hands cramped up in about thirty minutes, like to the point where I couldn't play the game anymore. Mm -hmm. You know, it's like, and they never fixed the keybinding issue. Right. Never. I don't know what's up with that, although, again, I'm sure they didn't have that much money to spend on time working on it, so. Uh, um, Mega Magic would be lower on mine if it wasn't a Kickstarter that I was really hoping would succeed, and I saw that it didn't. Right. Uh, so, any other mentions for seconds? Um, my Honor second is actually Trillion, God of Destruction. Trillion is my third. Ah. Uh, Actually, no. Sombrero is. Well, yeah. You you have a bone to pick with Sombrero that we're gonna get to. Yeah, we'll we'll, we'll stick with Trillion because I kind of want to end this. Yeah, because mm -hmm. because Trillion, Trillion was 
Yeah, we'll say Trillion was our third worst game of the year because who I'll, th- I'll I'll throw in Militant. Yeah, Militant was also bad. That's probably my third worst. My yeah. second worst was Dead Age, just for the disappointment and frustration. Yeah, yeah but like Trillion, I literally got confused in the first like little second and just said screw it because they did not explain well what you were supposed to do. So mm-hmm. Trillion had a very interesting premise. Yeah. I'm like because it's built around the like a boss literally called Trillion who has a trillion hit points. And you you know, the entire game is centered around bringing this thing down bit by bit, piece by piece before it can devour the entire underworld. Yeah. Yeah, that's concept. Yeah, conceptually yeah. it's kind of interesting. But in execution it's terrible. Yeah. It's like Like this one I would have rather it seen seen it be like some sort of two D action game or something like that. Instead of this bastardized RPG dating simulator thing, almost. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, oh, and let's talk about the the dating sim aspect of this. Ugh. Okay, so Compile Heart and uh, Idea Factory are pretty bad with this in general. I mean, it, it, I won't in lie. That they like, in that they really like putting it in things. Yeah, like, you know. But... This was, like, them at their creepiest. Yeah. My creep star went ding, ding, ding. Like, you know, it's like... Yeah, and... and I'm just, like, that super Moe style and... uh, Yeah. It was, like, seriously, if Tyrion was... Or if um, Coruscant wasn't so broken, this would probably be our top worst. It's it's made worse by the fact that, you know, um, your protagonist character is an older, uh, like, is the over-fiend of the, of the underworld. And thus, you know, at least in the Mugen Souls games, you know, everyone seemed, like, age-appropriate. Yeah. What I'm getting at here. Yeah, it, it's like... You know the creepy, uh, pe- uh, the creepy pedo vibes uh, were here, mm-hmm. and apparently the, you know, we didn't get into the, of the game uh, too much, but apparently the game ke- kept getting worse and worse. Like, uh, like the, like the final encounter is almost unwinnable. This is what I've been told online. I I don't know. Mm-hmm. I didn't. It, it's like I didn't play to find out. Because I couldn't stand the everything about this. Yeah. You know. Anyway, so, anybody got an- another number two? Uh, let's ju- let's just end it here. Because- yeah. Yeah, I have some honorable mentions for good and some honorable mentions for bad. And a few notable. It was technically a good game, but I really did not care for it at all. So the. Uh, I can right. go on for quite a while about, but yeah, we don't want this to go on for too long. Yeah, yeah, that's the thing. We have complete reviews of all of the games we talked about here and more. They're available for download. 
That's why we have full reviews. So, you know, we wanted to pick the best and the worst. And we have. So and we'll be back here next year. <laughs> yes. So Or later this year, as the case may be. <laughs> anyway, that'll about do it for this installment of the Fragments of Silicon Reviews. You can consider this kind of an overall meta-review thingy. But, anyway, um, yeah, we, ha we don't have a Tuesday interview this week. Um, and our guest on Wednesday, uh, our old friend Stephen Kick of Night Dive Studios. Oh, um, man. For those who are counting, uh, this will be his sixth appearance. Yeah, he... he Expect more jokes. So he's about, already you know, so he's already gotten his free internet Sunday, and we're, he's on to the next reward on the punch card. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, it's like expect those kind of jokes. No. Yeah. Uh, when anyway, your guest um, has been in long enough to get the in jokes, you've had him a few times. Uh huh. Yes. Anyway, um, yeah, we'll be talking about the usual stuff. And, you know, maybe more about game preservations. Uh, I, I honestly don't know how, how long the interview is going to go. But um, we've also got the Nintendo Switch uh, to cover, you know, part two. Because oh, yeah, it's like if you want our live reactions, uh, they're on the Twitch site. Nintendo did a thing. Watch the internet lose its shit. Pretty much. <laughs> we'll be talking about it in depth on uh, on Wednesday, and yeah, I think you know we'll have a lot to say. So until also, MSP is supposed to return on Wednesday. But um, we haven't heard anything from Mac in in mostly most of a week, so who knows? Maybe he was kidnapped by pirates. Yeah, I'm like, I don't know what the plan outline is for um, MSP this week. Uh, other than uh, the show is supposed to move to YouTube. Um, unfortunately, we don't have a show between here and our next broadcast to fill you in on such details. So, And the plan is so. for for it to have a guest if it happens and the guest has said yes and Mac exists. Yeah. Mike. We'll see what happens there, but until then, I uh, wish you good gaming. 